thank you for doing this. Uh, welcome to the Rise and Above podcast. Uh, how are you doing today, Angela? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, you are all the way on the West Coast. Uh, you're in California. Where, where at in California are you? Are you yes, I'm um, right near um, Universal Studios, so not too far from there. Oh, very cool. How do, you, how do you like it there? I love it. Like I, I was born um, in California, then I was raised on the East Coast, so I always consider myself half and half. <laughs> if you're from the East Coast, you'll know that little slang. But um, yeah, so I, I love both. Like I love the weather. My family's out here, but I miss the people in the East Coast. So I wish I could have the best of both worlds and mix them. What would you say is different about the people on the West Coast versus the people on the East Coast? Uh, well, out here, they're very sensitive. Very uh, sensitive. So I like the bluntness. Um, if you, when you read my book, it's very blunt and to the <laughs> point. And I know a lot of people can't take so much, um, you know, given to you at once. So right. that's what I miss about the East Coast. It's just the people, you could talk to them anyway and they won't get offended. I, yeah, I understand that, especially in today's day and age, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, when did you write your book? When did that come out? Um, it just came out last year. Uh, okay. I've been wanting to write it for years, but I knew when I came out with it, it was going to cause problems within my family. So that was what took me so long to write it. Um, but I've been wanting to write it for like over five years. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll get into that. I don't want to spoil it or anything for anybody, but um, yeah, so uh, that's that's crazy. Your book is called Black Butterfly, right? Uh, Chasing Black Butterfly. Chasing Black Butterfly. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, all right, so yeah, let's get into your story a little bit. Uh, you're from, well, you're born and raised, you're born on the in the West Coast and raised in the East Coast. Uh, what made you move back? Where did your, where does your story begin? Yeah, so um, my book talks about how I went, what the things I went through as a child, um, you know, just, <laughs> I'm gonna dive right into it. So <laughs> Please do. <laughs> so I was molested at an early age, around four years old. And then I was raped by 15. And me and my mom, we had a trouble, like a trouble relationship. Um, and we, so we were always fighting. And she was always kicking me out the house. So I was always on the streets back and forth in the house. So being on the streets, I definitely ran into a lot of trouble. And then um, I ended up meeting a pimp who was actually in, I met him in church, believe it or not. What it a was place to meet somebody. Right. I was trying to get my life together. I was, you know, always getting in trouble. And um, I went to go live with another family and I wanted to get my life together. And then I feel like, that's when things happen <laughs> when you're trying to get your life together then something bad will happen but anyways I met him at church um of course I didn't know right away that he was that um but we ended up in a two-year relationship and um you know it was very he was very abusive and controlling and I seen a lot so the reason why uh, I actually ended up escaping from him by joining the military and that's how I ended up on the east coast okay um now, I, I just actually last weekend watched a show called Traffic. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, uh, no, but I, I'm very familiar with trafficking. Okay. So there's this, there's this documentary series. It's called Traffic. And they, they, they do like a bunch of interviews with a bunch of uh, people for like different things. Like one of the things was human trafficking and uh, 
like pimps and stuff. And they interviewed women and pimps and the pimps are like, yeah, the women can come and go whenever they want. I don't, I'm not going to stop them from leaving, but they'll have something, something to remember me by if they decide to leave. Is it, is it like that? Is it a scary thing to try to get out from under the control of a pimp? Um, well, I was, I read so many different stories. So I feel blessed um, that I didn't go through as much as some of the other girls went through. The guy that I dealt with, he was very charming. Um, he was, I've, I've never seen him hit another girl. It was always against me. And when I was looking at another guy or when he thought I was lying to him about something, it was, he never tried to actually pimp me out. Um, I think he was trying to mold me into that. When I met him, I was 16 and he was 24. I thought he was 18. Um, when he, he told me he was 18 when we met. So I thought we were boyfriend and girlfriend. I had no idea what he was actually trying to do. Um, so in our relationship for the two years that I was with him, it was more just about me learning what he was doing and just him just controlling me and not wanting me to do anything without his consent or knowledge so um yes for me leaving was very hard like he would threaten me we would get into fist fights um he would threaten my family if i didn't if i left him he would hurt my brothers um stuff like that but as far as trafficking i never seen like the girls that he had um it was more their consent like he would meet strippers and stuff like that and say hey if you want to make some extra money I know these clients and it was more like, I don't want to say upscale because there's nothing upscale about it, but it was just, it wasn't like sleazy hotels or anything like that. It was, you know, penthouses at the Marriott kind of things. And they would meet there and have parties and stuff like that. And that's how he would make his money. Um, so yeah, I never, I'm fortunate that I didn't see, uh, you know, too many bad situations, but I, I did talk to the girls. I did become close with some of them because, you know, I was always curious. Like that was like, how did you get into this life? And, and at first coming into it, being so young, I used to not say that that's what I wanted to be, but I just liked how they were making so much money and the freedom that they seemed like they had. But I mean, of course, as I got older, I'm like, there's no way I would want to have that lifestyle. But um, yeah, so I did talk to a lot of the girls and a lot of them, it's sad that a lot of them were abused at an early age. So it definitely changed my perspective on those type of women. You know, I feel like people are so judgmental, like, oh, they're just this and that. And, but a lot of them have been through stuff and nobody knows how you would react to those things until you've been in that situation, so. Well, I think it's easy for people to be like, oh, well, you know, I don't understand why those women would want to engage in such behavior, but right. a lot of people don't realize what kind of past they have. And then when, right. when, when a, when a man comes into their life, like somebody who's a pimp and offers them what you would say freedom, they're like, okay, you know what? That sounds like that's exactly what I need. I need somebody to care about me, take care of me and, and help me provide a living for myself. Yeah, the way he did it, he was just, he made it seem like he cared about you so much and that you were number one. And, and he made me, even though I was around so many beautiful women, he always made me feel like I was the prettiest girl in the room, even though there were so many other beautiful women. So he definitely had a way of charming. I mean, he, he even charmed my second mom in church for us to even go out in the first place. And she's very strict and very religious. Like I wasn't even allowed to watch music videos. <laughs> 
you know, because wow. it was secular music. So what, the what fact kind of that church? He, I'm sorry. Yeah. What kind of church did you grow up in? It was a Baptist church. Okay. Um, out here in California. So yeah, she was, she, the fact that he was even able to convince her that he was a good guy and that, you know, oh, you should let me take your daughter out on a date and we'll go to Bible study <laughs> kind of thing. And it was not the very first date we even went on. Like he took me to a hotel to go pick up money from a client he had. But I, at the time I had no idea. I was just like, what are we doing at a hotel? <laughs> and then I seen him go and, you know, a man answered the door and his, a girl from church was actually the girl in the room. So I was just like, you know, wow. I was just so confused on what was going on, but. How does that even happen? Um, you mean, how did the girls get? I mean, how does, how does somebody go to a, like a, a I grew up in a Baptist church and mm -hmm. I don't know about the Baptist, Baptist church you grew up in, but for me, it was like a, what they call fundamental Baptist. So it's like real strict. Like some of the women wear like, uh, like uh, most of the women wear skirts and dresses and you can't wear pants and stuff like that. So how does that even happen? Whereas like a, a pimp can come into the church and start pimping out women in the church. <laughs> well, one thing I learned um, now that I'm older is I'm very spiritual. I'm not religious anymore. I don't okay. um, believe in religion because of the simple fact that I feel like it is a cover up. Like there, it's not what you like to me. I mean, I'm not trying to. No, 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 you're fine. Judge anybody's, you know. Um, preference but as far as for me I just do feel like there are so many secrets that go on in churches I mean even with Catholic churches and if you read a lot and learn a lot about trafficking a lot of that stuff happens through churches um so it can happen like it, just because it's you know about God doesn't mean things you know can't happen like that and only that I feel like two people in church are very vulnerable I was just about to say that yeah, they're, they're looking for something they're trying, you know, and I, I feel like those are the easiest people to pray on. Actually. Yeah. And, and they want to be part of a, like a community. And when, when somebody comes and is accepting and, you know, they yeah. want to pull them in, they're like, oh yeah, you know, I want to, I want to be a part of that. Yeah. He found me at one of my most vulnerable states. Like I was, you know, I, I never liked church growing up because I felt forced. Um, but at that time, I'm like, you know what, let me get my life together. I want to go to church. I want to be better. I want to be, you know, get my life together. So he, that was just like the time that he got me. <laughs> it's like right at that time. So let's kind of go back a little bit. You said you were um, bouncing from house to house and you were on the streets what was that like what was that because you were just a teenager at first it was fun because you know you like I, my mom she I wouldn't say she was she spoiled us very much like she raised three kids on her own so her way of showing us love was through material things like she never told us she loved us or was very affectionate but she always gave us whatever we wanted so we grew up very spoiled um and then as I grew into a teenager when she would tell me no, I'll be like, you know, what? That, you know, like if I wanted to go to a party and she'd say no, I'll be like, I'm going anyway. So I would sneak out. And when I would come home, she'd lock the you know windows and I couldn't get out. And then at first I'd be like, okay, fine. I'll just go out and hang out with my friends. But eventually after, you know, months of doing that, you know, people get tired of you crashing at their place, especially parents. They'll be like, she, she needs to go home with her family. Like, what is she always doing over here? So then when me and my mom, um, you know, we get into more serious fights and she would put me out, I would have nowhere to go. Um, 
like, you know, my friends wouldn't, their parents wouldn't let me in anymore, especially because my mom, if I was gone for a certain amount of time, she would call the police and the police would go to my friend's house and say, hey, you can get in trouble if you have a runaway at your house. So a lot of them didn't want to take me in because of that fact. So eventually I would end up, you know, meeting guys um, on the streets and hanging out with them. I'm like, I'm so surprised I'm still alive out of all the things that I've been through. No, seriously, like I would just walk down the street, a guy would drive by and be like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing and get in the car and go hang out with them. Wow. I'm just so surprised. Like I wasn't trafficked, like, you know, or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it was crazy. I definitely been through a lot, seen a lot. Um, I would hang out with um, gang members. That was my, you know, I was always attracted to that lifestyle because I felt like they did whatever they wanted at a young age. So I was fascinated with that life, but um, I learned the hard way that. <laughs> did you ever get <laughs> in any? What's up? I know, I was just learning the hard way that things aren't always what they seem. This episode is brought to you by Red Bike Delivery. This delivery service operates only using battery-powered, eco-friendly transportation. Red Bike Delivery is there for all your delivery needs, whether it's dinner for the family, flowers for your partner, or new houseplants for your new collection. Red Bike Delivery will gladly deliver those and everything in between. So what are you waiting for? Check out Red Bike Delivery on Facebook or Instagram for more information. Red Bike Delivery, because there's only one Earth. Well, and I, I think that's important too. Um, and I think it's important to learn that at, at a young age. I mean, because a lot of people get involved in that lifestyle and then they don't get out. But obviously you were able to like experience it at a young age. And then you realize that you didn't want this and then you change your life for the better, correct? Yeah, I think with me too, not growing up with a father, like I had two younger brothers. And so both of them had their fathers in their lives at some point and mine my mom always was so secretive about it so I think that's another reason why I always seeked male attention and was longing for something it's just I had this emptiness in my heart um so and that's why I think I was attracted to older men at a young age like it's crazy like back in the 90s and how many older men got away with dating with younger women I don't know it's just looking back on it it was okay back then where I you know not okay for the law but uh as far as my friends were like oh you're dating older guy how cool kind of thing not right now it's like that's disgusting so yeah I mean and now we have technology and social media to help like like bring awareness to all that and it's real looked down upon yeah 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 and I'm, I'm I mean I'm grateful with social media as far as bringing light to everything yeah we get to see so many things that actually go on all that have been going on for so long. Um, right. So, for, for uh, an enormous amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. How, Definitely how, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. I, um, I just turned 41 last week. So. You're 41. <laughs> wow. You don't, you don't look, you look like you're in your twenties. That's crazy. <laughs> no, no, I get that all the time, especially like when I do volunteer work with girls, um, they always be like, oh, you've never been through anything. Like, like I, <laughs> I don't, it's crazy how I don't show anymore um, the things that I've been through. And it's been, it's because of counseling, uh, family, and just me wanting more self-awareness and working on myself, constantly working on myself. Like I still struggle with problems, 
Um, but I came to a point in my life where I'm like, I'm not gonna let what happened to me ruin my life. And when I started doing volunteer work, it made me feel like I had purpose of what I went through. Like, oh, now I can understand when, what you guys, girls are going through. Um, I'm not just here to make myself feel good by being a volunteer. I'm actually like wanting to help you because I've been through the same things. And that, I think that helps you heal as well, right? Like when you, when you see somebody who's gone through some of the same things you've gone through and you're able to share your experiences with them and like kind of help and guide them, I think, I think that can help heal as well. That's exactly why I came out with my book. Um, because I've gotten to a point where I worked really hard to get the life that I have now. And I'm so happy. I'm so blessed. I want to help girls know that no matter what you've been through, that you can get to a point of your life. Like when you're a teenager, you just think like the nothing's going to change it. Like I feel so bad for teenagers because you have no control. You know, you're, you're not old enough to work. You have to live under your parents and you have to stay in these situations until you're old enough to make your own decisions. So I'm like really big when it comes to uh, teenagers. Um, so I just feel like now that I'm at the point in my life where I'm so blessed, I just want them to know that things will change eventually. Yeah, I think that's real important, especially like, I mean, I understand exactly what you're saying, because I was kind of in the same position. I was, um, I moved out when I was 17. And I was kind of in the same spot where I was getting like locked out of the house at night. And eventually I was like, you know what, I need to, I need to be able to do my own thing. I was so stressed out. I started developing bald spots in the back of my head from stress. And so I just made that decision to just to leave and to work on myself. And it's, it's been quite the journey also. Um, so that's another story. So. <laughs> no, I love hearing uh, stories like that because I feel like everyone has a story and if you share it, it's going to help somebody. Absolutely. You know? And that, that's the purpose of the podcast is rising above. It's, you know, yeah. obviously it's about overcoming. It's not, it's not about talking about these issues to dwell on it. It's about talking about them to bring awareness to things and then showing people how you were able to overcome, you know, those circumstances. Yeah, I, I, I looked you up. So I'm like, this is pretty dope. I liked it. I like your yeah. whole concept. And that's why I wanted to do it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about your healing journey. Um, and let's talk about from when you decided to, you said you joined the military to get away from the pimp and what that that process looked like. Yeah, so the military definitely helped give me structure because I was so wild and I wasn't listening to anyone. I was like, no one can tell me anything. So it definitely brought me structure. Um, and I mean, I would get in so much trouble in the military. Like I... <laughs> My arms look like Angela Bassett. So how many push-ups I did because <laughs> I was constantly being dropped all the time. But it definitely gave me a sense of family um, and, and structure and, you know, discipline. Um, so I, I feel like I joined for the wrong reasons because I was running away from somebody, some, something. So I had so many demons when I went there. Um, but it definitely put me on the right path of where I'm at now. And then um, when I moved to Maryland, um, I actually moved because I met my ex-husband while I was in the military. So he lived in DC and I decided I wanted to hold, like I definitely did not want to go back to California because I was afraid of running into him. And I wanted to, and I loved the East Coast when I was stationed out there. So I was like, you know what, let me just try this out. And I loved it out there. 
And while I was there, after I got married and settled and, you know, was doing our, we were very into the church again. Um, I went to the First Baptist Church of Glen Arden, which was, I love Pastor Jenkins. He was like the best pastor I've ever heard in my life. Um, so after that, I just started realizing that I wanted to like give back now that I'm, you know, in a happy place. And once I started doing volunteer work, I just realized that was my calling. Um, and it definitely helped me get on the journey of healing. At first I went in it like, oh, you know, I'm in a good place. So let me help you be in a good place. But it made me confront so many demons that I didn't even know I had anymore. Cause I just kind of buried them and try to forget about it. And especially when I came out with my book, that was very therapeutic because you have to keep reliving the moments over and over again, especially when you're, you know, making sure the typos are there right. and it brings you back into that space over and over again. And at first there were so many times, like I just gave up and stopped and didn't work on my book for months. And one time, even a year, I was just like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, but something kept pulling me back. And when I finally did it and finished it, I was at a point where I could talk about it and not even cry or not even, you know, like have a smile about it because I'm like, I can't, like I made it through that and I'm in such a great place right now. So that was definitely one of the biggest things that helped me through everything. Um, writing a book, what is that process? Like, I, I would like to write a book about my life too. Uh, I don't know when I will have a chance to do that. I'm, I'm pretty busy most of the time, but um I know that like for me, when I tell my story, I almost have to put myself in like, like you said, like an emotional state, you have to get back into that place mentally. What yeah. was that? What was that like? Well, I actually wrote, finished it during COVID. So um, that's really helped me out because we couldn't do anything. We're stuck in the house anyway. You know, I'm like, uh, let me just do it. And then once you're in there, it's like, you're there and everything else around you just disappears. And once you start going, it's like, you don't want to stop once you actually get started. The hardest part I think is getting started. Um, what I did, and I think is really good tip for um, people who want to start getting stuff is it's so overwhelming because you're like, where do I begin? What do I want to do? I, what I did is I did chapter one. This is what I want to talk about in chapter one, how I like bullet points chapter two, talk about this. And then you can see the whole story, like of how it's going to start and end. Okay. And then once you get started in the stories, just start writing, just start writing everything about what's going on. Then you keep going back to polish it up. Every time you read it, you just like polish it up every time. And then it develops into your final story. So do you have any experience with writing books? Or... No, no, I don't. The funny thing is I barely even like read a book in my life. Like I'm <laughs> a movie person and <laughs> my biggest dream is turning my book into a movie. Like that would be my biggest dream in like ever. Well, you're um, only a couple blocks away from Hollywood, so. <laughs> <laughs> and I work for a music company, so you never know. Um, uh, yeah, but yeah, my, uh, I had no experience at all writing a book. So I just went on YouTube I, uh, Amazon is a really great place um, for authors. Uh, they give you so many tutorials and videos of how other authors did it. So I did that. Mm -hmm. I did pick up Michelle Obama's book um, and, you know, Tiffany Haddish, cause I know she'd been through stuff and uh, Cynthia uh, Santana, I think it okay. was the one who, you know, was who shot her pimp and was in jail. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, she she has a documentary too. Yeah, so I read her book and I and I just that just kind of gave me an idea on how books should be, you know, written. And you know, so just doing your research like that of finding out like who your story is kind of similar to and how they, you know, wrote their book or came out with their stuff. Right, right. So since you wrote your book, what has the feedback been like? Um, okay, so <laughs> with my family, of course, I knew it was going to piss my mom off. Like we, when I joined the military, we didn't talk for years. Um, and then when I got married, she, we, she reached out to me and we kind of mended our relationship. And as I got older, I kind of realized, because when my mom had me, she was in a group home for girls. So she was going through the same thing I went through with her that she, she was going through with her mom. And um, at the time, I didn't realize it was a, you know, chain reaction. Like when you learn something from your parents, you pass it on to your kids kind of thing. It's like intergenerational inter trauma. I don't know why yeah. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely a generational thing. And um, as I got older, I started, you know, realizing where she was coming from and her mindset and all this other stuff. And it put us on a, uh, a, and the thing about my mom's side of the family, they don't like to talk about it. They just sweep everything under the rug and, and pretend like nothing ever happened. So that's what we did. We just, we were just so happy to be back in each other's lives that we never talked about it. So my book was the first time I said anything about it after Ooh. us. If she knew I was coming out with the books and she was like, oh, I'm so happy for you. But I don't think she knew I was going to say everything and how I felt and I actually I felt like I painted her in a better light than what it really was right um, but yeah it definitely put a strain on our relationship but at the same time I have been getting so many feedback about how um uh, my book has helped them because they've been through certain things and, and even certain people said that it felt like they were reading their life story wow so, when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, okay, maybe it is worth it. Um, but then again, it's like, I put out so much personal information about myself and I'm just getting started. So I haven't reached the point where I'm like, okay, it's worth it yet. Um, certain, like I said, certain times when I talk to people, I'm like, okay, maybe it is worth it, but I just haven't reached there yet because I'm just beginning. And like I said, I did put out so much personal information about myself. Well, I think it's, yeah, I mean, that's definitely a difficult thing to do, right? Because now everybody can just read everything about you. But yeah. at the same time, like you said, uh, so many people can probably relate to a lot of the things you've gone through just on a di in, in different, in so many different aspects, right? Yeah. Like, I'm sure I can read your story and be like, well, I can, I can relate to that, even though I was never under the control of a pimp or anything like that. <laughs> but, you know, I'm sure... I'm sure like with some of the difficulties with your mom, yeah. I'm sure I can relate to stuff like that. And yeah. Um, yeah. I could imagine that that would probably cause some difficulties in the family, the family dynamics. Yeah, definitely. And then some other people were just like saying that it was very hard for them to even get through like my nieces. Mm. Cause I'm so close to them. And when um, I was going through that stuff, they were babies. So they were like, I cannot believe you went through all that stuff. Like, and they remember certain parts of like when I was drunk and I forgot to pick her up from school, but she had no <laughs> idea the whole story of what happened around that stuff. So, um, yeah, so it's, it, it, yeah, it's it definitely mixed emotions um, from people, but overall it definitely has been more positive um, 
been negative. Have, have you had great sales on the book? Is it, has it blown up? What's the expectations? Well, I self-published um, and I didn't honestly, like I never did my research about what to do. Like I said, I just went through Amazon and just kind of did my own publishing. So yeah. for me, I feel like I did well for self-publishing, not having any, you know, like huge following. I just had my friends and family. Right. Um, and my page on uh, Instagram, I started that from scratch, you know, um, while I like after I finished the book. So I do feel like it is growing right now. Um, and I definitely get a lot of feedback more from strangers than my family. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like it is definitely doing well. Like as far it's definitely growing. I feel like that. Well, that is awesome. I think that's beautiful. And it's kind of crazy too. I mean, because you're a self-published author and I came across your book on, I, I'm assuming Instagram. Yeah. I'm assuming that's how I came across you. And uh, um, I'm on, I'm on the East coast. I'm in Michigan yeah. and you're in California. Like that's. <laughs> no, that's it's insane. getting somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that's insane. At least like 20 people might see this and they might buy your book. So um, yeah, that's crazy. Um, I don't remember what I was going to say now. Um, that's one thing, though, I I kind of got some negative feedback from my podcast when I, I started the podcast by putting out my story and what some of the things I've gone through. And talking to, like, my family after I put it out, they some of them were upset that I had said so much, and they were upset that I uh, painted them in a kind of a negative light. But like you said, you know, I... I was pretty fair about it. Like I didn't try to, I made them look good as far right. as, as far as some of the things I had said. So I can, I can understand that. And that's gotta be kind of frustrating as well. I'm sure. I feel like you have to speak your truth because when you have podcasts or when you're in a public eye, like, or even coming out with a book, like people don't want to read fake stuff. Right. You know? um, and I feel like, um, so many people do that. They cover up, like, you know, celebrities, when they come out with their stories, they don't tell the whole truth because they don't want to paint themselves in a bad light. Right. I, I put all of my stuff that I've done. Um, and I knew it was going to, some people were going to be like, what, she did that? I can't believe she, even, you know. So I was a little embarrassed about putting so much out about myself, but you have to speak your truth. I mean, that's the only way you're going to touch people. Um, sharing your real story and then you can't be ashamed of the things that you've done wrong also like exactly. that, that's another thing I talk a lot about on the podcast is like you may you may fuck up like really bad you know like you might do exactly. something terrible but just because you made that decision doesn't define that doesn't define who you are as a person you know exactly. like you did that 10 years ago that doesn't mean that's who you are today exactly um yeah it, I I used to be embarrassed about it when I was younger but I'm like you know what I love the person that I am today like I wouldn't change anything and I love the certain people that I've met and had I have a chance to go back and start it over again I, I would still go through what I went through because I wouldn't know some of the people that I know now right. and um like I wouldn't be the person that I am so it definitely put me on a journey like even um where I'm at now like I'm the CFO of a music company in LA and I didn't go to college for that at all. And I ended up in a CFO position. And that's just through me working my way up through accounting, wanting to learn everything around me. And, and my job just, you know, my uh, boss just loving 
that energy about me. So, so what like, you're, you're a CFO of a music production company? No. Yeah. So it's a music company in LA. Um, okay. and we, I just do the finances for the company. So I don't do anything with the music side, but I just run the company's finances. And I got that job because I used to be an accountant for HOAs, um, in Maryland. And how I got that job is I actually delivered printing supplies when I first moved to Maryland. I was, you know, going to different companies and they just loved my personality and they were like, hey, we got a receptionist job at the front. And I lasted there only a year because I wanted to learn accounting when I saw them and I was like, ooh, that looks for me because I wanted something stable. I was so used to bouncing from home to home. I, like, I loved how accounting one plus one is always going to equal two. <laughs> means that like you know are you so, sure and today's in today's <laughs> math i'm not so sure right true <laughs> so that's what i loved about accounting is it was so stable for me um and even having a career in accounting like you're always somebody's gonna need it um, right. so i wanted to get into that field just to have stability and when i got into that i grew into the position that i'm at so i also teach girls that that you know you don't need a fancy degree to make a life out of yourself. Um, it's whatever you want to do, like you can achieve that. Well, and then I, also, I, I do feel like I, so many girls who have been through what I went through, um, you know, either end up as strippers or on drugs or, you know, prostitution. And I feel like I used that sexual energy and turned it into something positive. So about six years ago, I started a company, um, which is a sex exercise company. And I do that on the part uh, on the side too. What's so, a what is a sexercise? <laughs> so it's a company for couples. They I had a studio before COVID. Um, I had a studio where couples would come in and they would do partner exercises, like and while learning different sexual positions. So say for instance, I teach you um, let's just say missionary or not reverse cowgirl. You know where the girls on top and the back. So there are certain muscles a woman has to use while she's on top. So I would teach them that position. And then also the exercises like squats and it would be partner workouts. So while she's doing a squat, he's doing a sit up at the same time. So it's That's, like, <laughs> this seems so practical. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's actually, I, at first when I, like, when I came out with it, people were like, what? Like, no. And it actually blew up. Um, I was featured in articles. Um, somebody wrote a blog about it. So it was featured in a, in a magazine. And I was getting people from flying in from East, the East Coast coming wow. to, you know, when they came into California. They were like, oh, I want to take your class. So it was doing before COVID. It was doing pretty good. Now I just do pop-up events. And I'm doing one for Valentine's Day coming up soon. And it's actually online too. So if anybody wants to do it from the East Coast, you can see it online. But it's, 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 Something I wanted couple, because I feel like there are so many things breaking couples up in the world. I wanted something where they can go, they can work out together, they can learn some new moves to spice up in their bedroom. And it's fun. And then I do exercises that helps them talk about topics that they would never talk about, you know, and then get that communication going. Yeah, that sounds like it'd be real vulnerable. Like, right? Because you're probably in some of the most vulnerable positions you could be in. <laughs> people think that but no because when you go in everything is done like an exercise like I don't have people you know grinding on each other and right. that. It's, it's done as an exercise 
So if you just go into like a gym and like you take one of those workout classes and it's partner based, that's all it is. Because right. um, that's what sex is. It's an exercise. Right. Uh, and I have them doing yoga moves, you know, to stretch out their muscles and stuff like that. So it's it's not like people, I do get that. Like people, um, do you have any private classes? And I'm like, I'm <laughs> telling you. <laughs> Can do it it's not it's not like that at all it's comfortable it's, enough to do it in front of your family so is this something that it has been done before is there uh is there other like uh i guess gyms type sex exercise places where did you get the idea from so how i got the idea is there wasn't anything when i was doing it um I, so what happened was this is when i before i met my fiance I was, you know, dating a lot in California and I would meet, you know, models and actors and stuff like that. And I started dating this actor and I was very intimidated because I'm like, his body is so amazing. I'm pretty sure he's been he, with so what, many different women. Was he a well-known actor? Um, I mean, he's on, he's been on some stuff. Like people do, he's not like an A-list, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, like certain, like my friends knew who he was okay and stuff like that so when I um started dating him like I said I was intimidated and I'm like you know what I wonder because I loved pull aerobics I've always thought that was fun um so I'm like I wonder if there's someone you can go where you can learn some sex moves while getting in shape just like pull aerobics and I couldn't find anything and that's how I came up with the idea I'm like you know what let me create something and at first it just started I was like a fit I just wanted to do a video like a fitness video and then it ended up turning into like a studio and it just grew from there. So I've been doing it for six years and wow. I love the way couples come in and they laugh and they have fun. Like everybody laughs throughout the whole thing um, because you are a little vulnerable just coming in there learning about sex in front of other people. Right. But um, no, it's definitely a great, I love it. That's a, that's actually, that's actually a pretty good idea. I mean, when you said it at first, I'm like, huh, that sounds... <laughs> <laughs> it sounds interesting but that that is a great idea because you're you're kind of doing something that's practical you're not just like going to like a, a gym like a planet fitness or whatever and just lifting or doing like a some sort of circuit you're you're using muscles that you would typically use outside of in, in normal day life yeah no if you, I don't care how much you work out when you get in certain positions it takes a lot of stamina to stay in that position. <laughs> so, For sure. <laughs> I mean, I've been in the best shape of my life in certain positions. I'm like out of breath and I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I was, uh, I, I lift weights all the time. And uh, one day I was doing a bar workout with my wife mm -hmm. and uh, I was like, wow, like I can squat a lot of weight, but doing this bar workout, I felt so weak. And, <laughs> Yeah, it's just one of those things. Like it's those tiny muscles that you don't think about and you don't typically use. Yeah, and not only that, um, it it opens your eye because you know some people just don't want to watch porn um, to learn different things. And when you've been with somebody for so long, it's kind of you you start doing the same things over and over again. So this class not only like helps you work out together because that's all it is is you know a fun class where couples can work out together and but you're learning something you know new to spice things up especially if you've been with somebody for so long right right so during i'm assuming during covid you had to shut down the studio um mm -hmm. is it back it's not back up and running what, well, what's actually, going on with 
things happen for a reason. I always try to look at the positive side. So I had a studio, it shut down, but then I was like, you know what? Let me use this time to focus on writing my book. And that's what I did. And then I realized I was making more money when I just did pop-up events instead of having a studio. And, you know, sometimes I wouldn't even have, you know, uh, classes or anything going on. So you're wasting money every time you don't have classes. Uh, and then I realized, yeah, I was making more money when I would do pop-up events. And I, I get emails all the time. Like, when are you coming? I actually just got one from New York. When are you coming to New York? And <laughs> like that. so I would love to grow where I can just go through different um, states and do classes. But um, I have so much going on one thing at a time. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any kids or anything? No, um, but I'm engaged and we're about to get married in August and he has two boys. I never wanted kids. I think um, from what I've seen growing up and I don't know, I just, I just feel like if I ever did want a kid, I would want to adopt just because I've seen how many kids need homes and stuff like that. So I'm like, when I, I just want to live my life and just enjoy it because I'm finally at a place where I'm I am happy. So I just want to like, you know, stay in this moment for a little bit before I take on the responsibility of raising another life. Um, but yeah, when I do finally want to, I, I want to adopt. I think that's a smart choice. Um, Cause a lot of like, when people have like rough lives, sometimes they think that like having a kid will make them happy. Yes. And then they just ended up, they end up screwing up their kid the way they were screwed up. And it's just, it's an endless cycle. So I think that's, that's a real important thing to know. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly why I didn't want to raise a kid because I didn't want the same thing, me doing the same thing my mom did, you know, my grandmother did. So, um, but now I'm at the point where I'm just enjoying life and I'm, I love the way things are right now. I don't want to change it for now. But when I am, when I do get that little, if my biological clock ever starts ticking, <laughs> it'll be to help another kid because there are so many um, kids that need homes. That's awesome, especially in California, right? Yeah, probably. Uh, what what is the what is it like in California right now? I'm, I hear crazy things about California and after COVID and whatnot. Um, I mean, I I talk. It's no different than the East Coast. I mean, I still talk to all my friends. I feel like, I mean, of course, you know, the mask on, I mask off kind of thing is crazy. But you know, I think it's just to me what's crazy is how fast the world can change mm. off of something. It's scary almost, you know? It really is. Yeah, so I, that's the only thing I think about is, dang, our whole lives could just disappear just like that if, you know, if something major happened. Yeah, and it, it kind of, um, that's one thing I was talking to somebody on the podcast about recently, it was they grew up in a small town and uh, they were talking about, I, I think I had mentioned something about like grocery shopping. Like when I grocery shop, I, I don't go to the store. I just order it and I go pick it up because I'm lazy. Um, <laughs> but when you're in a, when you're in a small town, you can't really do that. You got to go grocery shopping. It takes time. And um, with COVID, it was one of, the, and still uh, because of COVID and all the, like the shortages and the, um, yeah. the lack, lack of having things um, there's certain things you can't get. And then you got to like, um it, you, it's just something you never thought about you never thought about like having a lack of supplies mm-hmm. yeah I feel like it didn't, it didn't matter how much money you had it affected you somehow like whether you didn't have you know the movies or the roles like everything shut down so it affected right. everyone 
Yeah. And I felt like the people who, you know, didn't have that much money probably dealt with it better because they're like, oh, I'm used to this, you know, I'm used <laughs> to struggling all the time. No, I'm saying like, I, if, I struggled um, growing up. So when we didn't have certain things, I'm like, you know, we're not going to die. I'm, you know, I could yeah. survive even off of this for a while. So. Yeah, because you know how bad life can be. So like exactly. get, so this, it was nothing to me. <laughs> you're you're a long ways from that. And once you do get to that point, you're like, okay, now it's bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I yeah. yeah, I know what bad is and that that was nothing. And not only that, I felt like it gave people a chance to spend quality time with your family. Cause I felt we were working, like I I was working so much and I didn't spend that much time with my family and it made me realize like dang we actually do spend so much time at work away so when we had to quarantine and that's when I was first dating my fiance and we were like with each other 24 7 I'm like this is amazing like we really really get to know each other and spend this quality time together and it was you know that is awesome. that's awesome because <laughs> a lot of people got divorced during COVID yeah <laughs> <that hurt>. <laughs> <laughs> um, um yeah, that's one thing COVID did for us too, because uh, we work at, my wife and I both work at General Motors. And mm-hmm. um, so like we work, we work all the time, just yeah. all the time. It, it's like two Saturdays on, one off. And it's like that till the end of time. And we work a lot of hours too. Um, but COVID, you know, kind of halted all of that. And we got to stay home and you were like, you know what, like, let's take this time to do things to our house. So we like remodeled our whole basement while we were we were laid off or not laid off, but, you know, stuck home. And mm-hmm. it was just fun, fun to spend time together. It was good. It was good yeah. for everybody. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, if you learned how to use that time to do projects and stuff together, then it was, it's great. Yeah. Um, how can people get a hold of you or your book? Well, uh, it's pretty easy. ChasingBlackButterflies.com or my Instagram, my Facebook is all Chasing Black Butterflies. And also there's a link to Evaleros, which is the sex exercise company. Okay. Um, uh, it, it's on the Chasing Black Butterflies too. So. Okay. And uh, I will be sure to put all of that in the show notes. So if anybody has any questions or they want to go look you up or find your book or look okay. up your sex exercise uh, class, <laughs> um, they can do that. And how often do you do that? The, the online videos? Uh, the sex exercise? Yeah. Like, well, I'm doing one right now for Valentine's Day. So actually I'll send you the link. You and your wife should okay. do the online one. Um, it'll be fine. It's going to be February 17th at five o'clock uh pacific standard time okay so uh yeah i i will i do them like occasionally like i actually i don't know if you know haha davis no not haha davis i'm sorry um what is his name oh kev on stage he's a comedian mm. oh so his wife actually just had me do a podcast last year so that was fun um oh, so yeah cool. i do get hit up by certain people and they'll have me do like on their podcasts and stuff like that like different classes but that's yeah. cool that was really cool um and being in Hollywood I'm sure you you run into people all the time right well yeah when it first came out like I had um this one of the girls from uh WAGS do you remember that no uh, it was a tv show about not basketball wives but it was the I forgot what WAGS stayed the wives and girlfriends of sports or something like that okay but anyways yeah it was a reality tv show that was on but yeah she posted my video and you know uh, I had different people come to the class so it was pretty cool 
That is cool. That is cool. Well, I am really honored to be able to talk to you. Your story is crazy. I, I really want to order your book. I'm going to today. <laughs> as soon as I'm off this video, I'm going to order it. Um, so I, I would highly recommend everybody order your book. And uh, especially because you're a self-published author. That, I think that's amazing. I think, you know, because you put the work in yourself and you, I mean, it's not easy. It's not an easy thing to do at all. It's not easy to sit here and reflect on everything you've gone through let alone try to put it in like chronological order and find a way for it to work in a book. And you did that. Yeah. And so I, I commend you for that. It's, it's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like if you, if you wrote a book and you, you, you only sold one copy, you should be proud of yourself because it's very hard to write that. Like not, like, I think it was like 1% of people who want to write a book actually do it or something like that. So yeah, it's very hard and you should be proud of yourself if you even finish it. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, that's one thing I, like I said, I've always wanted to, and I've started like writing stuff and it's just like one of those things, like you don't know how to do, how to go about it. So I was like, you know what? I'll just do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier for now. And then eventually I will, I will write it hopefully. Yeah. I mean, even doing a podcast, I mean, that's hard. I mean, you should be proud of yourself for doing that. Yeah. I mean, I think anytime you have to share something that's vulnerable, it's not easy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, again, thank you for doing this. And uh, real quick, before we wrap this up, do you have any words of like inspiration you want to add to the podcast? Um, just that no matter what you're going through, it's never too late to turn your life around. I don't care if you, what have you done? Um, you know, everyone has a chance. As long as you're still breathing, you have a chance to turn your life around and uh, make something out of it. And awesome. I, I do want to say thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's really been nice to getting to know you and I love what you're doing with your podcast. So keep it going. <laughs> well, thank you. I really appreciate it. And it's again, been a great honor being able to talk to you. And uh, I look forward to possibly talking to you again someday. Sure, definitely. All right. Well, you have a good day. Thanks, you too. All right, bye. Bye.